welcome to the Priority Now podcast, encouraging women to become better disciples of Jesus. Priority Now is hosted by Carmen Halsey of the Illinois Baptist State Association. Hi, ladies, this is Carmen, and welcome to this week's Priority Now podcast. This week on the podcast, I have Pat Scarborough. Many of you know Pat. She's involved with us in our Illinois Baptist Women community, provides a lot of leadership for us. But today, specifically, we're spotlighting a role that she plays on one of our state advisory teams for people with special needs. So, Pat, thanks for joining us today on the podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here today. Pat, I want to talk about special needs. It's not a new topic for us, but I think that um, you tell me all the time, we've got to keep in front of people, Carmen, because it's not something that's going to go away. What we want to do is be able to recognize it so that we can embrace it and be able to make impact for the, for the kingdom. So for the sake of our audience, why don't, you, why don't you unpack a little bit for them? What do we mean by special needs? Sure. Special need encompasses a lot of different things. And we typically, we want to look at it in in one little box, but every church has it, whether they realize it or not. And just for us, as we want awareness to these things, as we want churches to realize that there are people out there that aren't coming to their church because they have children with special needs or adults with special needs. And we want to find ways to to be able to engage them to come in. Typically, when we we talk about special needs, we always seem to focus on children because that's where you see it the most, starting with school, because you'll start to see that more identification of special needs and things will happen to help them to go through school. And really, in many ways, church is the same way. We have to make sure when kids are small and they're babies, it's harder to, to think, oh, they need something different. But as soon as they start to hit that school age and, and peers start to move ahead of them and things like that, it's harder for the churches to then keep up with that. But there's there's a lot of faithful churches that are trying. And that's really what, you know, what parents and what people with special needs want is they want to be included. They want you to make the effort. So that's the, the basis of what we see is, is that mm. is there a way that our churches recognize that not everybody learns the same way? Mm-hmm. things the same way. But what we do know is that Jesus loves each and every one of us mm-hmm. the same way. So let's take that into how we minister to, to our people with special needs. Mm-hmm. You know, Pat, obviously following a lot of the training and stuff you've done and, you know, getting to know you and some of your story and how you've helped to educate me, we were already behind the eight ball, period. Our society, we were already behind the eight ball. The church was already re- behind the eight ball. And I would say that meaning just in our awareness, because like you said, it's such a big, it's such a broad piece that, you know, it's not just one thing. It's not just this or just this. A lot of those, a lot of these variety of things um, line up under this larger umbrella of special needs. Probably as a society, when we look at who's got it closest to right, we'd probably look at school systems um, because of, you know, maybe being regulated to have it right, or at least maybe our perception, or maybe it's Carmen's perception, I don't know. But now, like I said, with COVID and everybody having to realign processes, and and um, I see this even being more of a challenge for, for folks really that, you know, that have children or special needs, the children with special needs or special needs themselves. I really see um, and have seen, I think over the past three to four months, their lives have really had to be challenged in ways that mine hasn't been. Um, because I just know personal friends that, you know, when they can't go to um, day camps or day work centers or, you know, just how it totally messes up their structures. And so today, that's that's what I want you to help us with a little bit. How can we as the church be considerate, mean and see that there's even an extra layer of need? And it may not be that we have to be that sophisticated in our knowledge as much as 
they're just even more so they just need that to be included. Or how do we help a mom? You know, we've got a broad audience listening to the podcast. We've got some that are parents, you know, some that are church leaders, some that are educators, some that they work in another profession, you know, out in the marketplace. But obviously, the, you know, COVID has made an impact. So talk to us today a little bit. I hope you can encourage us a little bit today, Pat, because I don't want to lose traction. I don't want us to be moving backwards, you know, on any on any ground that we may have gained in this area of embracing special needs and loving and loving these folks well. Yeah, that's a it is an interesting challenge. And having gone through it myself, I can I can attest to the idea that structure is a is a really big part of, of being a special needs family. And there's just this sense of these are the things that happen. We know that this happens at this time, this happens at this time. And in some cases, it's even more extreme when you're dealing with a, a person that's on the autism spectrum, their schedules very much so are very regulated. And when those things don't go the way that they expect, it just it upsets their well-being. And then that upsets the well-being of the parent or the caregiver or whoever that is. So, I mean, these are very real things. And and whether it be from, you know, school not happening or workshops not going on or things like that, these are, are very real dilemmas that people face. Also, one of the dilemmas that, that I've even seen myself is the fact of a parent having to then be home with the person, having to miss work. I have a friend with an adult child with a disability, and she has to work from home because she has nowhere for her daughter to go during the mm-hmm. daytime. And that's a disruption that disrupts her work life and it, it makes things, you know, all out of whack. And then also for the for the child to be at home and when they expect to be somewhere else, these are very real problems. And, and there's not a real easy solution to any of them because mm-hmm. that's the, you know, that's the world that COVID has put us in. We know as, as a just a regular person, I mean, you, you guys know from, from your experience, you had to move from working in an office five days a week to working at home. That changes everything. You know, and then when you're trying to get things done and you have all of these different challenges and then on top of that, you have a person who is upset with the fact that their day is not going how they expect it to go. And you can't tell them that, hey, tomorrow this is going to happen or, or next week or this is going to be back to normal because we don't know what normal looks like anymore. Even in the sense of maybe the one thing that they do every week that they look forward to is going to church and the mm-hmm. churches weren't open or, you know, those type of things. I mean, we experienced that with my daughter. We didn't do anything from the beginning of March till middle of June. She didn't leave the house mm-hmm. because there was nowhere for her to go. Any connection she had was lost. Mm-hmm. And that's one of those things where how do you keep that connection? You know, how do you as a church step in and, and be that? And can you really do that? Can you reach out and, and make all these calls, and, you know, do whatever you can? And, and it's to the churches, I want to say, don't give up, do what you can. Don't let it be an overwhelming thing that makes you think, man, I just we just can't do this. So don't it's not worth the effort. It's definitely worth the effort because they're waiting to hear that. I mean, they're waiting for you to support them in some way. I mean, even if it is just a call, hey, what can we do for you? You know, we we can't make assumptions about what people need. What we need in my house is not what the person next door needs. So it really is the phone call to say, hey, what do you need? How can I help you? And that's the same whether it's COVID or not COVID. You know, you have to ask the question, how can we help you? How can we how can we serve your family? And you may get an answer that you expect. I mean, you may get, I don't know what, what you can do for me yet, but just be willing to continue to ask that question. And then as, as parents and as family and as even as individuals with, with special needs, at some point, you know, they'll be at the time and we'll know that we can turn to you. Being a person with a disability or, or special needs and being that family, you're isolated anyway from the from the from the very get go. You feel isolated. You feel like you're the only one. You feel like as you as as your life has went on and all these challenges you've had, no matter who you've had around you, most parents will tell you that they feel isolated. And when you add in something like COVID, 
you've just multiplied that beyond what you can even comprehend. Because in some ways, it's interesting that people are now experiencing a little bit of what we've experienced for years of what mm-hmm. it's like to truly be isolated. And in some ways, hopefully that will give people more empathy to be able to understand and, and, and walk alongside us. The main thing that, that always comes to my mind, though, is, is that we're not going to know if we don't ask. And that's that's the first step is to, to recognize that we have to ask the question and be prepared that they may not tell you anything yet, but but just keep asking. You know, when you say ask the question and then you're, you, you know, you were impacting a little bit and I'm sitting here thinking, yes, the value of a common vocabulary. And, and you said now we can all we're experiencing what their world has been like a forever, you know, with isolation. I, I wrote even a note to myself, like common experience, because we can leverage the experience, because I, I think that's a tangible way to say, I can walk a mile in their shoe now, because I can understand a little bit clear where they're coming from, you know, as far as I've experienced isolation. But then you said, ask the question, always ask the question. And, and I think where my mind clicked is, sometimes I'm afraid to ask the question because I already jumped to what I think somebody's going to say, and I'm afraid I won't be able to deliver on it, which means sometimes I back up. You know what I'm saying? It's like, don't, don't put yourself in that spot if you can't deliver yet, which means, you know, we all know from a leadership coaching, I'm not really listening well. You know, I'm not even preparing myself to listen because I'm, I'm assuming I'm already jumping in my head. I'm assuming what their answer is going to be. And I'm trying to go to the fix. And so I've already shut down every possibility of building a relationship um, because because if I can't provide the fix, I don't even engage the relationship. What would you tell a Carmen out there, you know, um, that what if I don't have the answer, especially today? What if I was already struggling, you know, and didn't have the answers, you know, to say, man, I want to love, I want to open my doors, I want to welcome in. But we were struggling meeting the needs of folks with special needs in church, period, before covid what about now when we can't even meet anybody's need, you know, as we're, as we're changing? What would you tell that person? Ask the question anyway. Why? What if we don't have the answers? Well, we don't expect anybody to have the answers. That's the, the first thing that I always feel like is that I don't expect anybody to be able to have the answer, but I want to know that they care enough to ask, even if there's not a single thing they could do. The fact that they've come and asked and, and said, hey, we re- recognize this because part of it is is recognition. When you were talking about the the shared experiences, if you remember in May, as things were typically at the high, and that would be when things like prom were happening and graduations mm-hmm. and, and all of these life events, I read an article that somebody had written. It was a special needs parent and said, welcome to my world. Mm-hmm. And it was very clear in the sense that, you know, you guys are all lamenting the fact that your child isn't going to get the experience of going to prom. Well, you know, for many special needs parents, that's never an option for them. You know, their, their kids are excluded from those events, whether intentional or not. They're just, mm-hmm. so you're experiencing on this one particular instance, what we've experienced when our kids have, have missed out on things over the years. So it was kind of that, if you can kind of mm-hmm. get that shared experience feeling sure. there, because it is so in some ways that should give you empathy to say, you know what, man, you, you go through this on a regular basis, you know? that mm-hmm. this event happened and, and your child wasn't able to go and wasn't able to participate in it. Or there's just different things that, that we've, we've missed on a regular basis just because of the, the, the life that we've, we've been given. And I don't say that in the sense to say that, that it's a, a bitterness over the life, because I feel like that we're very blessed to have been chosen to be special needs parents. Um, some days it's harder to remember that, but mm. at the end of the day, I always think, I have to think that this is a blessing that we were chosen to do this because we 
God would equip us to do that. So I don't want it to sound like bitterness when I say this, but in some ways when people talk about things that you start to recognize, maybe that wasn't as important as we thought it was. You know, some of these things and events and, and different parts of life that we think are so important. At the end of the day, they're not as important. What's important is that we, you know, we have our family and we have our ability to, to care and love, love one another. And I think that what COVID has taught some of, some of our people is a little bit of what it looks like to live a life of special needs in the sense of things that you don't get, things that just don't work out the way you expect them to. Because that's what a life with a special needs child is, is because you, you don't walk into that pregnancy thinking, oh, this is what's going to happen. God, he changes you the day that he gives you a special needs child. He, he absolutely changes. He changes your trajectory of the rest of your life changes on that very day, whether it's you find out before they're born and you start planning or whether it is like me, 10 minutes after she's born, they come to me and ask me, hey, do you know what spina bifida is? Life changed from that second on mm-hmm. for me, for my for my husband, for the rest of my family. Mm-hmm. It changed. And that changed the, the way that everything we saw from that point. It's through a different set of glasses, but it's through a set of glasses. It's so much more appreciative of every little thing that we're allowed to, to be a part of. Right now, what I feel like is that some people are getting a little glimpse of when life doesn't go the way that you expect to go, God still has a perfect plan in it. So I think that's the, the part of COVID that, that I hope people see is that don't be angry and bitter about the things that, that didn't work out the way you expected to. Just be thankful for, for what you have been blessed with, you know, and I feel like that that's for us what we we try to do on a regular basis is be just be thankful. There are days that are good and there are days that are not good. But at the end of the day, this is this is what God has chosen for us. And it's honoring to him to honor the the needs in the in the life that he's given us. So I, I love don't. that, Pat. I love that. At the end of the day, this is what God has chosen for us. And it's that, you know, it's it's that sovereignty of God, but the fact that God is sovereign should not give us permission to not have to take responsibility. His sovereignty almost makes us, you know, it it almost, we have more of a responsibility, you know, and to leverage that, to leverage that responsibility. So that's good because ultimately it is that trust back. And I love too that you use the word lament. You know, many of them are, you know, they're like back in May, you said they're lamenting. And I know in my myself, even, you know, as I'm learning more about grief, you know, going through some of that grief journey, you know, crying out, not wanting to ask the why question, but God, you got to meet me here. And at times it's like your faith gets questioned. And I, I would think this would be common too, of parents, you know, of children with special needs, you know, anybody that's got a broken, I'm going to use your word, a broken dream, a shattered dream, meaning whatever they're looking at, whatever they're walking, it's not looking like they anticipated it would. That's what I mean by broken dream or, you know, broken or a shattered dream. So that's my common definition. And what I'm realizing is that can really make us wrestle out our faith. You know, um, you may ask the why question, why God, you may ask why me or what did I do or, you know, bringing our, you could fix this. Why didn't you God? All those questions. But one of the things I've just recently learned in studying about grief, when you lament, that's a validation of your faith, not a challenge. You know, where I, can I just say when I've been walking, there's a lot of times I think, man, is my faith real? You know, and it's really, it was so validating because you're asking the person that you believe has control to have changed it. Otherwise you wouldn't be lamenting. You wouldn't even be taking him that like, what are you talking about here? What do you mean? And when I heard you say that, that was a really good point that you made. And so I'm going to take that back, Pat. 
to say what you said at the start. Everybody, everybody should hear the gospel. Our goal is to bring everybody. Everybody was born a sinner, regardless of the color of skin, regardless of where they were born, regardless of health care needs, special needs, what, whatever that may be true to that person. Everybody is in a broken relationship with Jesus. And our goal as ambassadors for Christ is to help bridge relationships to bring those folks back into reconciliation. And and I know that has been your heartbeat from, from square one. And you said that earlier. So, you know, wrap us up with that thought. God, why, why have you allowed me the opportunity to cross paths with that family? Whether it becomes, whether it's my spouse, you know, that, that a disability comes, you know, you know, throughout the marriage or whatever. How do I keep that front and center? Like, God, you've allowed this opportunity. Now, what am I supposed to do with it? You know, so that because I'm looking for something that causes Carmen to always be willing to lean into it versus run away from it, scared I don't have what it's going to take. And maybe scared's too strong of a word. I don't think scared is too strong of a word because I think that fear is what keeps people from engaging with people with special needs. It is the fear of, you know, they're that much difference. And in reality, we're all the same. We're all created in God's image. So I think fear is is a valid thought that people have is not to validate that it's a correct thought, but it is, it is a, a thought that it's there. But I think that what we see from that then is we have to recognize that even in that, that he's put you there for that purpose to be able to establish this. And just as the same with anybody, anything we talk about as far as sharing the gospel or ministering to people, it's all about relationship. We have to be willing to make the relationship go. We have to be able to, because we can't expect as parents, and and I learned this pretty much the hard way, and that is the fact that I can't be angry at people for not doing something I expect when I don't tell them that this is what's going on. You can't p- expect people to understand and to know what you need if you don't tell them. Mm-hmm. And to be able to to know that people don't know that unless they get to know you. This is who I am and, and learn a little bit about who they are and then learn about what their their routine is and, and how their life is and what they've experienced. Life with disability is, is pretty much for, for many people, some unmet expectations of, of what you originally expected. It's not that it's the wrong thing, because mm-hmm. in some ways, you know, it can be called an unexpected blessing because things do work out in ways. And as a, as a parent, you're immensely blessed in ways you didn't ever think you would be. And you're, you're also enabled to care in ways that you never thought. I think that's one of the hardest things to hear as a parent of a person with special needs when someone comes up and says, oh, I could never do that. Yes, you could if you trust in, in God to allow you and to be able to strengthen you for the things that you need, because he does do that. And thinking about that, then that's going to go into the conversation of why the gospel is important. And mm-hmm. the Bible tells us to to share the gospel with everyone. There's no asterisk that says you don't share it with someone with a disability. There is. It's always you share the gospel. It's not our job to know how much they understand, but they need to hear it. I think the thing is, is we have to recognize is that even if a person only hears the song, Jesus loves me, at least knowing that much of it, they, they're, they're knowing something. I mean, we don't even recognize what the person next to us knows about Jesus and understands about Jesus. We just know it's our job to tell them. And I think that's the same that we look at with any person with any kind of need, special need of, of any sort is we can't think, oh, they can't speak. So they can't comprehend and understand. We don't know that. We do not know how God is working in their life and how he's working in their heart and their brain and all of those things. The job that we have is to continue 
to, to share the gospel. And I recognize how blessed I am, and I recognize the, the, the rare privilege it is to be able to care for a child with a special need. My hope is that as we continue to talk about it, that we help our churches to know that there are people all around. Our goal should mm-hmm. be that there's not a person around us in our community with a disability that doesn't know that Jesus loves them. We can't solve their problems. We can't cure their disability. We can't take away all of the struggles they have, but we can walk alongside them and encourage them and support them and love mm-hmm. them. And help them to know that that in the midst of all of these things, that that, that we have an awesome God who loves them. Mm-hmm. And if we can do that, that's what our job is. You know, that goes back to the very basic thing. And that's COVID or no COVID. Mm-hmm. That is, this is what our job is to do. And what we try to do as special needs ministry is just help people, you know, and mm-hmm. that's the same for, for any kind of ministry. It's not really a different ministry for special needs. I think, you know, IBSA, when I think of our mission statement, you know, le- leverage network value, you know, where we, we use that language a lot around here. Um, now, how are we leveraging network value? In other words, how am I bringing value to whoever's on the, whoever's on the, the, the receiving end of the, the stick, you know, and it's got to be value in their eyes, which goes back to what you said, ask them, what, what are your needs? You know, is there something I can do for you? And it may not be something I can do right now, but it may, it may be something that I can help access. You know, I may not have it, you know, the building myself, but I might be able to access. And that's where I start to think of networking. And that goes back to what you just said. If you're listening and you're doing special needs, that's the importance, I think, of the network so that we can platform you, for lack of better words. In other words, bring you into the network so we know your story, know what you're doing, so that we can tell your story to other people. Um, because I think the more, like, the more we can see Jesus um, met them where they were at. And I think that's really important to us as we go forward to think, open your eyes, you know, so that awareness increases. Number two, lean in, lean in, you know, and like Pat said, just the simple question of, is there something I can do for you? Is, you know, tell me, you know, just be transparent. Tell me, how can I, how are you doing? How are you doing? Because I think your word was, Pat, to let them know I see you. I see you. And that's important to all of us just to be seen. And the reality is, if I don't believe that you see me, I'm not going to answer, how am I? And and we're all smart enough to know when somebody's really seeing us, do they really want to know how we are, right? We all we all know that. So I would say sometimes that question even needs to be a layered question, you know, just to not just, can I do something for you today? You know, not like the blanket, um, I'm here to serve, you know, so check the box you use. So that's really good. And third, you know, um, if you're listening in and you you need a resource or you're having trouble connecting to a resource, again, reach, reach out to us. Let us, we're aware of some of these stories. We're aware of who doing a lot of really good stuff in the area of special needs in in our in our churches across the state let us put somebody in contact with you that that can maybe um, play guide you know take you by the hand and walk with you um, because I can tell you you said I was okay using the word fear earlier it's a lot less scarier when somebody's walking with you that has experience that you don't have just to say you're not going to break it because I think that's a lot of us we're, we're afraid we're going to break something we're afraid we're going to do damage you know rather than bring rather than bring good and then you take that all back in the umbrella or the the environment of covid where everything seems so off it seems like everything's broken some sense that we so want some some sense of normalcy that if i can just be bold we tend to lose we tend to drift away from a focus such as special needs because it does take effort it does take intentionality and you know and if you're listening that's what we want to that's what we want to cheer us all on to not do you know to not drift away let's keep the momentum going and trusting and trusting that god is crossing our paths with individuals so 
that we might be the ambassador that he wants to work through to reconcile him to, to, to Jesus. Pat, any last um, comments that you'd want to leave with the ladies? Last year in our church, we went through a sermon series on Hebrews, and our, our pastor used this phrase the very first day, and he used it throughout the entire time of teaching through Hebrews. And he said, what does it take to drift away? What do you do to drift away? And the answer is nothing. And that's how you drift away. And and that's what, as you were talking there, and that's the idea of, of how, in this particular sense, if, if you want to just drift away, what do you do? Nothing. If you want the person with a disability, the family with a disability to drift away, what are you going to do? And if the answer is nothing, they are going to drift away. Mm-hmm. But if the answer is you're going to call them or you're going to at least acknowledge that they're there and try to try to serve them, then they're not going to drift away. So that's my final word. That's good. All right, ladies, if you're listening, um, remember, you can reach out to us. We'll help connect you to to help. I'm not even going to use the word resources or we'll connect you to help, I guess, is the simple way to say it, especially if God's privileged you to put you in the path of somebody with special needs. You've been blessed and you know, you're blessed. We hear this a lot. You're blessed to bless somebody else. Let us divide the fish. Let us divide the loaves, but you may not have the loaves in your hand today, but I can guarantee you somebody does and they're willing to share those with you. So, so let's, let's do this together. So, all right, ladies, thank you for joining us um, for this week's podcast. Remember, if you're not on the journey with us, um, we want you connected to us. So be sure and check us out on our website ibsa.org backslash women. Follow us on Facebook at Illinois Baptist Women. And then you can follow us also on Instagram at Illinois Baptist Women. As we talk about special needs, it's just one of those examples, ladies, that this is too hard to go alone. God does not intend us to do it alone. It's a network of churches. It's a network of believers. It's his church. It's God's church with the large C. And so we we don't want you on the journey alone. So, so come and join us. And I'll see you next week on our Priority Now podcast. Thank you for listening to the Priority Now podcast. Please continue to join us on the journey to know Christ and make Him known.